Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is May 10th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. I know you had a great weekend because the Bruins had a great weekend. And you probably very much enjoyed watching games three and four. What a turnaround. What a freaking turnaround. I know a lot of you believed. I know some of you were kind of like me and were a little skeptical of the whole uh, of them coming back. But the series is tied two to two. This is coming out Tuesday morning. So game five uh, is Tuesday night. So this will come out obviously before then. Um, but very interesting little comeback they got going on here. And so Connor and I got into uh, why that happened, uh, how they could continue it. We got into Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm coming back potentially um, and the ramifications of that. I think McAvoy, obviously, you know when he might come back and obviously you know what he's going to bring. Lindholm's a little more uh, controversial in a sense. You know if he comes back, he's going to be good, but What's his injury? Do you really want to push it? So that's a conversation that we had. Uh, We also got into, are we updating our series predictions? Uh, I will say one of us did. One of us gave a little update to their prediction. I think you'll be surprised uh, by it, especially given that person's confidence in giving that prediction. Uh, Definitely wasn't me. Obviously, it wasn't me. Of course not. Um, Anyways, remember, uh, Bruins Beat is always sponsored by our good friends over at BetOnline. Use that promo code CLNS50. One other thing. It would be awesome if you guys could go leave a nice review uh, for this podcast on wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, uh, be awesome to leave a rating and review. I, I never really ask for that. Be awesome if you guys could do that. Um, and without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Not as I'm doing great, but I don't think anyone's doing as great as the Bruins are right now. My goodness. Two wins at home. It's so funny to think like where we were uh, like a week ago where we were sitting here saying, you know, this series might be done. This they're cooked. They look terrible in Carolina. And then within two games, within three days, that narrative kind of went out the window. Uh, I was going to say, I was planning like my, my vacations for the middle of June. Now I got to push all that back. Now it's a good problem to have Evan. Stanley cup is back on. That's what people are saying. The Stanley cup is back. 
Stanley Cup's going to be hoisted in Boston this year. No, um, but quite the results at home. And I do have one question. Are you surprised by this? Uh, not exactly. I mean, I think when we mapped out kind of the the task at hand for the Bruins in terms of getting out of that uh, 0-2 deficit they were in, it's going to be tough. Carolina is still a very good team, but when you look at kind of this team and uh, the track record they have and the personnel that they have in place there, uh, these guys have been through it before. Granted, it's only a choice to you who are still here from that 2011 team that came out of uh, two 0-2 deficits there in the 2011 run, but uh, this is a veteran team. They've been there before. And I mean, they've got the personnel in place that all it kind of took was a uh, a break to go your way to kind of turn the tides. And I think you saw that in game three with that uh, coil shorthanded goal. And ever since then, uh, you know, they've been able to you know take a punch and pretty much deliver a haymaker back. Right. That's kind of what we've seen these last couple of games. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about kind of the dynamics of play, especially in game four, where uh, I think maybe one of the main takeaways is that Carolina uh, kind of a front running team. They do not like to chase a lead and uh, profoundly dumb. They're a profoundly <laughs> stupid hockey team. I, I was talking to uh, Ty Anderson about this after the game yesterday. Can you imagine if, the uh, positions were flipped in that game. Let's say it was the Bruins going into that game. Uh, Carolina doesn't have Slavin and Pesci or any other impact players. And they commit, totally se- <laughs> and they commit seven penalties in a row. Yeah. Like, and just, and just cough up uh, a game to an extremely shorthanded team. Like what the, like brutal. Like there's oh, a yeah. lot to take away from. We the, would crush, this we would crush them for that. We would yes. crush them for that. And yeah, so no, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. And again, I think they're just mentally soft. It's a very soft hockey team. And I was thinking about this today. They're not, I mean, they're physical, but they're not that physical. They're not the blues or the wild or the, one of these physically imposing teams. They're just deep. That's their thing. They are a deep hockey team. Now that's fine. Like, but I'm just saying they're not very tough. You don't see that toughness there. And, you know, you mentioned uh, what happened in games, mainly game four, where the, 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 the officiating, did not have to do much work because the the Hurricanes kind of just did these penalties for them. It was also interesting though. I feel like if a Bruin like Tony, like Jack Edwards was saying this on the broadcast, Tony D'Angelo with the Curtis Lazar thing, I think he only got two minutes for a cross check. Right. But after in the scrum, he's punching Lazar in the face. He's doing all these things unprovoked. If that's a Bruin, I have a tough time thinking that's only two minutes. I have a, I, I, I think that's probably a little bit more, but that's neither here nor there. There's better things to talk about. Um, and it's tough because this series has only been the home team wins, right? You got two wins for Carolina and Carolina, two wins for Boston, Boston. So it's easy to think, well, maybe Carolina just blows its top off when they they're in the away barn, but something about games three and four felt a little bit like it meant more than just the games were in Boston, right? Obviously the Bruins got the favorable, favorable matchups, but is there any chance that this momentum is sustained in Carolina where obviously the crowd is on Tony D'Angelo's side in Carolina? So that's a bit different, right? Whether it's reluctant or they actually want to be on his side, they're good. They're not going to boo him, right? They're not going to boo him. So at least he has that, right? And he's not like fighting 16 year olds in the crowd. That's a whole nother thing. Um, but is Carolina going to continue to take those stupid penalties even when at home? I don't I mean- know. I mean, they're the most, aren't they the most penalized team in the league? Not to take uh, something out of Craig Berube's play. Yeah, but what I, are you doing? I believe, I believe they are, if not the most, like 
top three. And again, they've been able to, you know, skate past that by the fact they've got an elite penalty kill, but I think they're not a very disciplined team anyway. And again, it's one thing if it's like we looked at game two where Carolina had nine power plays and some of those, again, try not to hop on the rest, but some of them like, you know, that first period scrum where they end up shorthanded out of that, where you're like, come on. But all of uh, Carolina's infractions in in game four were obvious, like D'Angelo, you know, with, with hidden uh, Lazara pie, Aho with a double minor on uh, the high stick, a puck over the glass from Trocheck. I think Svechnikov, I think Christ checked Forbert, I want to say. And it was like yeah. right in front of the official. Like it's not, oh, yeah. these weren't ticky tack uh, penalties. So I think they're going to keep on doing that. It's just, I think when you look at this Carolina team and building momentum against them, I think for the Bruins, it's one, probably that mental, uh, you're getting rid of that mental burden of like, all right, these guys have our number. We're getting chances. We're starting off strong down in Carolina. We're not, we're going into the first intermission down 2-0 every single time. Like that wears on a team. So I think for the Bruins getting past that. And also I think now you're seeing that, I don't want to say it's mental games, but you look at just how I think a, a team like Carolina processes uh, this series going forward, especially in net, right? Like you go to, uh, you're switching between goalies now. You don't really know what's up with Freddie Anderson. He's, skated but he hasn't done a full practice yet so i don't know when he's available maybe is it a situation where he's good to go in game six back in boston which have fun freddie like coming off an injury <laughs> going right to boston for that it's a lot of going like in. That. but now is it do we go do they go back to kachetkov who wasn't that good but then you go back to ranta and then all of a sudden now you have that it's kind of what we mapped out with the bruins in terms of their goalie uh rotation and why it's so tough to kind of weigh that the emotions and, and the other things with going with two different goaltenders in terms of who's the best guy in net. And obviously it's Freddie Anderson, but you don't know what you have with him. So I think now where it's two, two and the Bruins have punched back in both those games. Now it starts, you know, you get the ball rolling with like, let's say Brindamore, where it's like, all right, well, is, is Freddie ready? Like, oh, all right, we have to, I guess, go to these two guys. We flip flop between them in two different games and they both didn't give good results. So I think for the Bruins, it's more of the, maybe the mental hurdle of, of finally landing some punches against Carolina. And for Carolina, it's all right. The momentum's back on their side. How exactly are we countering it? Cause we kind of gave them our, our, you know, best punch early on in this series and they, you know, they haven't hit the mat yet. So. Well, what's funny is out of the penalties you mentioned, I think the worst one was that Trocheck penalty. He had all yeah. the time in the world to clear it out of his own zone. And he just right before the blue line flips it over the glass instead of putting it, you know, sending it into the opposite corner or just like, you know, dumping it out. He just flips it over the glass. I also thought another stupid thing was it wasn't just the players being dumb. It was the coaches. Rod Brendamore decides to challenge that DeBrusque goal. Now, first of all, I don't know what Carolina's video room was seeing. But it, I, I get that they maybe wanted to take a chance on it being uh, goalie interference because the league is just weird with goalie interference. Right. But at the same time, it's like, well, okay, even if they don't score, they have a little bit of momentum. So we're going to give them another power play. So it's just like the, the critical thinking wasn't even there. So again, I think it's funny going into this postseason. I said, it feels like the hurricanes time, right? Like they've, they've been through a few of these, like at some point they're going to break through. When I watched them in Boston, does that look like a team that's going to break through? It didn't at all. Um, and so I kind of have a tough time believing that they have the mental fortitude to win four games in a series against a veteran, heavy, experienced Bruins team. Um, and I, I just, I, I have a tough time kind of seeing that. And it's a pretty safe bet 
right? It's a pretty safe bet that the Hurricanes are going to take more stupid penalties in this series. But when we're talking really safe bet, we're talking about our good friends over at Bet Online. Our partners continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year uh, with the basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores. We won't talk about the Red Sox fights and even next season's uh, NFL futures. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and, of course, your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up today and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, promo code CLNS50. Bet online, where the game stats. Where the game stats. There should be a, some like prop bets on Tony D. I, I, I there's gotta be like have some fun with it, you know. Like, how many children is he going to fight in the stands? <laughs> Tony D's gonna go full Mike Milbury and just yes. jump over the glass. And um, I'd like to imagine. Remember that play? I think it was in Philadelphia um, against was it was it with a Ty Domi where the guy was trying to get in the box yeah. and the glass fell and he went in and got his ass beat. But maybe someone will do it to Tony D. They'll beat Tony D up. You know, maybe that'll be what, what ends up happening. I thought it was very satisfying to watch Tony D'Angelo come out of the penalty box, try to run. Uh, Curtis Lazar uh, crunches him twice, and then he tries to run Brandon Carlo and just bounces right off. Him. And I thought that is just the complete, Tony D'Angelo experience. Complete meltdown. Oh, yeah. And Jack Edwards was going nuts. Jack was just absolutely like losing it over Tony. That would be two people who I would love to see in a room just like verbally going at it. That would be so that's worth like signing up for a subscription service for. Yes. That's just ridiculous. Yes. Um, but you it's funny, you mentioned Freddie Anderson coming back too early. The Bruins have some uh injuries or guys out of their own. Charlie McAvoy obviously out uh, before game four, probably out for game five as well, just with the COVID symptoms. That doesn't seem like he's going to come back. I have a hard yes. time believing he will. But Hamas Lindholm was back on the ice at practice uh on Monday. You were there. Um what is the feeling right now? Is he coming back? Uh, remains to be seen. Uh, obviously it's a great step in the right direction that he practiced, um, on Monday, uh, Bruce Cassidy wasn't ready to, you know, officially slot him into the lineup. They have to one, see how the doctors clear him first, which is the number one hurdle. And then see how Lindholm is, uh, later tonight, uh, and going into tomorrow. If he's all, all systems go and gets the green light from the doctor, he'll be in there. But again, when you're coming back from a upper body injury. Yeah. I'm going to assume what it is like if he's a few hours after skating and kind of exerting himself again, if he's got headaches or anything like that, or he feels bad the next day, then they won't put him in. But I think just the fact that, um, you know, in a two, two series where you can kind of look down the line and a guy like Lindholm, who looked at where he was in game two, when he got rocked by Shvechnikov, I think our first reaction is, well, he's done for the playoffs. For oh, however yeah. long, and if maybe even the Bruins won the first round, be like, I, I don't know if he's coming back until middle of June with the way he looked in that. So the fact that he's already back out there on the ice, um, skated in a regular practice sweater, wasn't in like a red non-contact jersey or anything like that. Um, great news for the Bruins because you're going to need it. Again, uh, a huge statement win for the Bruins to win that game four, uh, being so shorthanded on defense. But still, if you go back down to Carolina, you probably don't want Josh Brown out there you'd rather have uh Lindholm in that lineup and then slot maybe a guy a left shot over on the right side or something like that it's a good problem to have right now um again all the credit to the Bruins for kind of stemming the tide there but 
you'd rather have a guy of Lindholm's uh, caliber back there, especially where, as you said, I don't think McAvoy is going to be back for uh, game five and there'll be probably fingers crossed that he gets cleared or he tests out before game six, because I don't think we need to spend much time talking about how important a guy like Charlie McAvoy <laughs> is to the scene. So. No, I don't think we need to spend like five minutes talking about that. I think we've done that throughout the year. I will say this. I have his Lindholm is signed through 2029, 2030 which is crazy to think about. Yeah. That's a long time. Uh, we're still going to be doing this. Um, <laughs> um, but that's a long time. 6.5 million a year. Now, uh, I don't know the full extent to Hampus Lindholm's injury uh, career before this. Um, what there was, there was a little bit of, he's had some injury issues in the past. Yeah. It hasn't been fully I believe cleaned. it's, I think it's like lower body stuff. I want to say like, yeah, I don't know, knee, uh, but something like that. My one thing is now granted if doctors are legitimately clearing him, then fine. Like if a doctor says you're good to play, then good. Like great. But if this is a head thing, I don't want to rush him back for this. Do you like, I just look at it from the sense of like, this is a guy you have a long-term investment in. Uh, You know, you already see Brandon Carlo has not done terrific in this long-term deal. You need Lindholm to work. You need a uh, top pairing left shot defenseman for the years to come. You have it. The last thing you want to do is him get a head injury in game two of the first round. And then you rush him back for game five. He either re-injures it or doesn't properly heal. And suddenly this guy has head issues for the next number of years. Like that to me is something that I don't think you want. Do you want to sacrifice years of this guy being a mainstay on the back end for this against Carolina. Now I know it's important. It's the playoffs. I'm not saying it's not important, but you do have to kind of keep an eye to the future on this. And I, I, I don't know. Again, like I see him out there in a tinted visor. I get why, obviously the, you know, the lights, you don't want to, you know, too bright or whatever, but I don't know if that's like a, th- if that's a thing to watch, I don't, I'm not sure if you're the Bruins, you want to be tossing him back out there. It's tough to speculate. It might, they have not even confirmed it's a, a head thing or not. Right. They have not like, they've just said upper body. Upper so body. like, it's kind of up to us to speculate, which is always a terrible thing with injuries, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if you want to, unless again, if a doctor says you're good, then you're good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. Do you want to risk it? Yeah. I think it's definitely something you have to, to weigh in that situation. I'd imagine that, um, if the Bruins and the doctors, because the Bruins are also, I think, fully cognizant as much as, you know, it's focused on the here and now and the playoffs and we know what the window is and how much they're committed to this run. Uh, I'm sure that the Bruins are also very aware of not damaging yes. an asset like that. Uh, <laughs> they just spent a ton of money on. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, I'm, I'm sure they're very cognizant of that. So I imagine it's still deferring to the doctors. And again, I don't think if. Lindholm wasn't making good strides. They would have had him back out there that soon. Um, again, it's the issue with concussions that they're so tough to navigate or map out a timeline. Sometimes these guys have one that feels good and they practice and then it uh, bounces back and they're still dealing with it and goes on for weeks and weeks or it's something where it looks bad. And then, then a few days later, I mean, it's kind of the same thing where Lindholm was back at the garden for game three, like in, in the building, which like if he had a severe concussion again, not a doctor, but I'd imagine the Bruins wouldn't want him to be there as they're like blasting Shania Twain at like 130 <laughs> decibels. It's probably not what you should be doing unless like, and as we know better. 
And as we know, when you're up on that level nine, it's it's vibrating it's like it is, you feel it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I imagine that they were getting clearance from the doctors that they wouldn't risk it anyway. It's not like they would I'd be, you know, he's on like the steady uh, path to feeling better and like, all right, you can go to the garden and like, you know, blow your drums out. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that like they've uh, been consulting with the doctors along the way. But again, even if he's been far ahead of schedule, it's still a risk with any guy who's had concussions look at again it's probably one extreme to the other but look at kasha where it seems like he was done for the season then comes back like right before the playoffs like oh wow this could be a, guy, a top six guy that really helps him down the stretch and then one like not you know at least eye test serious hit and he's back to square one unfortunately so it's something that i think for any player who deals with concussions um it, it's a risk same with Kahlo. It, it's one that you just hope doesn't begin to sprout up more and more if like you know, every player I think has a concussion or two at some point in their career. I'm probably a lot more, but as long yeah. as you're avoided having to be something every season or something that with, you know, such ramping up more and more, the more contact they take, that's when you have to worry about it. But for right now, it seems like the Bruins are deferring to the doctors. And so far, the news seems to be good. And a lot of times with those hits, it's not like these crazy hard hits like the yeah, Special Cup. A lot of times concerned. it's just like, head, it's just contact, your head hits the glass or things like that. So again, it's just, it's a really slippery slope. You don't want to have Hampus Lindholm now have these concussion issues, and you don't want you know next season. He, let's say he plays the rest of the playoffs fine, right? Next season comes around, he gets a concussion. We look back to this. We go, oh, did he come back too soon? So I don't know. It's an interesting thing to follow. Obviously, you want Lindholm in the lineup. I don't think that's like uh, you know that's not the issue here. It's like you know just the long term uh, bits of it. Uh, in other news, the goaltending worked in games three and four. Swayman comes in. As I said, Olmark would start. Swayman would come in. Um, Swayman worked. Uh, and I said this on the post-game show last night with Logan, um, and people disagreed with me on this. And I said, I think there's a legit decision to make in net. Now, obviously, I think Swayman is the guy. But I think there was also a case to be made for if you wanted to throw Olmark back in there to try to – and, again, I think that's overcoaching. But I think there was a, a little bit of a case. Again, I would rather Swayman be in there. But I think if you want to try doing the rest aspect, which is tough to do when you're – you know, if you lose the next game, you're on the verge of elimination. So that is a little bit tougher. Um, but I, th- I thought Swayman looked really good in games three and four. I think you you have something there. And that was something that, you know, we'd said all year. It felt like Swayman was either going to be a kid who goes into the playoffs and tears it up or is like <laughs> not good. And early signs, at least pretty good. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the one thing it's I think we've already talked about the fact that I don't think the Bruins are blaming Olmark for those games one, oh, one, no. one and two in terms of the losses. But I think when Cassian was kind of assessing his play, the one kind of critique he had was timely saves, like the saves that you need at critical moments to prevent the game from getting away from you. And I think that's what you've seen from Swayman. He hasn't really necessarily had a, a 40 save night or he stood on his head, I would say. But when you need a critical save, he's had them. Like I look at, I think it was, uh, was a game three right after the coil shorthanded goal. All right, Bruins have life. I'm moving back on their side. I want to say that uh, was it Niederreiter and Kotkin. I can't say his name. Kotkin and Emmy. Like I think they both Kotkin had. <laughs> yeah, I believe they both had um, like grade A chances within like a minute. I think after the coil shorthanded goal and Swimming stops those. Like those are the saves you need to make. Those Very are critical Bruins, time. By the way, <laughs> yes, of course. Like and that that's what you need though. It's kind of the same with like. Uh, you know, like Niederreiter's goal, I think, was it in game one where it was 
less than a minute after they first got on the board there, where it's like, those are the kind of saves you need to make where it's, you can't let the game get away from you. And that's what you've seen from Swayman. I think the Bruins as a whole have been better in front of him, which certainly helps, especially like on the PK. PK has been fantastic, even though Carolina's power play also seems out of whack right now. But in terms of what you need from Swayman though, uh, this is precisely it in terms of just uh, standing tall. He looks composed and relaxed in net. And for him, it's probably uh, exactly what you want too, because he's probably feeling confident about his game again. You said it before that when he's feeling confident, he's locked in. He can go on those heaters where all of a sudden it's a 10 game stretch and he's got a, a nine thirty save percentage because as much as the Bruins are taking advantage of Carolina right now, you want to win a cup, you're going to need a few games where your goalie does stand on his head and gives you 35, 36, 40 plus saves a night. That's going to happen at some point here. So the fact that you you get these two key wins with him and net, he's making those timely stops and building up that confidence in his game. It's a win-win for, uh, for all involved there. Yeah. Again, you, I mean, in reality, in a seven game series, you just need the goalie to be nasty for four games. I know that sounds a lot easier than uh, simple as that. <laughs> simple as that. Just be really good for four games. You can take the other three off if you'd like. You can just kind of stand in the net and just be like one of those shooter tutors who just, you know, just, you know, put, put one of those up in the net. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Carolina come out in game five heavy. I would not be surprised to see them come out and put that Bruins under siege. Uh, in the first 10 minutes or so, just given how the last two games went, I feel like they're going to be playing as Jack Edwards would say with a B under their bonnet. Um, And I would, I just wouldn't be surprised to see that because I think they were kind of embarrassed uh, in games three and four. I think they're going to be angry. And I think you're going to need a guy like Swayman to stand in there and make those saves. I think he's going to obviously face a ton of shots that are are not particular, not particularly easy. I will also say, um, and this is non-goaltending related, because then I want to get to our big question at the end updating predictions if we're updating them um the top line works that bergeron marshan Pasternak line they can play together crazy how that works yeah it's shocking and it's funny because uh, during the season we were kind of proponents of like you need depth and i think it's true you need depth during the regular season you can't have one line carry you to a playoff spot um and it just also isn't sustainable for like long term but if you're trying to win a playoff series against like a team like the Hurricanes who don't really have a superstar line, again, they're just deep. You can, you can beat them with the top line being the way it is. I think where you start to lose to them, and you saw that in games one and two, was it's hard to out-depth them because I do yeah. think their depth might be a little bit better. So that's kind of why they had that edge. But if you're hitting them with Bergeron, Marshan, Pasternak, and they're putting up, you know, Marshan's obviously had five points in game four, and the other two had two or three. If you're doing that, like that's something legitimate. And I think, and, and this is a good segue into this. You said Bruins in six at the beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. Are you going to update those predictions? No, I'm going Bruins in six. I think Bruins they went, uh, went another one down. I, and I think a lot of it has to do with that, uh, this top line, because as you said, we know how good the top line is. It's been, they've been doing this for years now. I don't think I've seen a, a stretch right here that they've been as dangerous as they are right now against a very good Carolina team. I mean, they've been, I think since Cassidy put them together full-time, I think midway through game two, they've only been on the ice for about 19 minutes of five and five ice time together. That's because these games have been so disjointed with all the penalties. But yes. <laughs> under 20 minutes, and they've outscored Carolina for nothing. Like, they are dicing them up whenever they have a chance. And again, I think it's going to, whether or not the Bruins can win this in six, it's going to, I think, come down to whether or not 
Carolina throwing everything they can to slowing them down works. And again, you're going to see probably a lot of the stall line probably with Slavin uh, and see how that works. And then, I don't know. Do you want Tony D'Angelo with Martian again, which we'll see how that goes, but yes, um, of course but, we do. But the, the, the fact that they're playing this well, um, it just seems like they just don't have an answer for him. And as you said, the Bruins need depth, but it's a, could be a situational thing. Like they can very much go back to, you know, the, DeBrusque on the top line and spread out that offense if they want to later on. But right now, when you needed a Spock, you can turn to a line that for years has been the best line in hockey. And right now they're playing at a crazy level. So I'm sticking with Bruins and six. It's it's kind of like they've been just dying to play together again. And yeah. it's just all bursting out. Yes. And I think, again, if they win this series and play Pittsburgh or New York, I think you can go back to the depth see if that works for a game or two. And then if, if it you doesn't work, it, you have that weapon. It's like, it's like a nuclear weapon. You know, yes. if you're not winning the war on the ground, just beat him in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Evan Norman Schwarzkopf. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Clearly big nuclear guy. Um, I'm going to switch my prediction. And I hate this because I wanted to stick with hurricanes in seven. I really did. I wanted to, I believed it still think it might happen, but I got to go with Bruins in seven. I think they will lose game. I think the Bruins will lose game five. I think the, the this is see, this is my issue. I try to guess the games and that always goes so south, but I, it's how slippery I rationalize slope. things. Very slippery. I think the uh, Canes win game five, Bruins win game six. Odds are going to be very against the Bruins in game seven. This is going to play out just like the 2011 cup final. And uh, I think it, the Bruins are going to take it in seven because all the home ice stuff is going to go out the window and the Bruins will edge out a win in game seven. That is my guess. Um, I just, I think now this top line changes things, you know, I think if they had not done that move, I think the series would probably almost be over. I think they would probably be down like three to one, um, at this moment, but the hurricanes are a dumb team. They're making stupid penalties and your top line is rolling. So like, I just, I think the momentum is shifting back to them. I think this is also a nice, uh, uh, lesson to people that series are not over after two games. And this goes to us a little bit, but we were saying it wasn't over. I said it was close. I said it was as close to being over as possible, but I didn't say it, we didn't say it was fully over. I think there you were a lot of you people can acknowledge it's not great. I think that's what yes. our thing was like. It ain't great right now, but again, it ain't over either. Yeah. So we'll see. I say Bruins and seven though. I think they're going to, I think they're going to do it. And then I think they're going to go on a run because that was my initial prediction. So I'm sticking with that. Uh, Connor, what can the people look forward to from you over at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, uh, as we do every day, there'll be daily content up regarding the Bruins throughout this cup run. So we'll have previews, game recaps, game reports, columns, video breakdowns, a couple features. We dropped one uh, last week about Jeremy Swayman uh, out in Alaska, which was happy uh, happy to drop that one. We'll have a few more uh, longer stories that we hope to drop later on, depending on how far this Bruins team goes. So you can <laughs> find on, all that. Yes. You can find all that stuff over at BSJ. So please subscribe at bostonsportschannel.com. You want to follow me on Twitter. You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Well, people don't realize this. We are not rooting for the Bruins. We are rooting for every series to go seven games. My livelihood. Yeah, it helps us. Maximizes the content. People forget. Um, Anyways, great feature on Swain, by the way. Talk about perfect timing. That came out on the day he was starting game three. That could not have went any I will not say that I didn't, like, spend the entire night putting the finishing touches on that because I'm like, holy shit, I really hope he plays well in game three. (laughs) I I won't say that. But that'd be funny if that's what I did. But yeah, definitely. Yes. Didn't glad, do glad, that, it, There's no glad, uh, glad it all worked out. Yes, glad it all worked out. Anyways, that is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky, Bruinsby listeners. Have a great rest.
if you're weak. <laughs>